0: So Charlie Chaplin, this year is 100 years of the kid. Jackie Coogan was the original child actor. In fact, there's the Jackie Coogan law because of his family basically took all his money. And then he later played Uncle Fester on Adam's Family. I'm talking about this because there is a new documentary out on Showtime and on Hulu called... The real Charlie Chaplin, combining unheard audio recordings, dramatic reconstructions, and personal archives. Filmmakers Peter Middleton and James Spiney trace Charlie Chaplin's meteoric rise from the slums of Victorian London to the heights of Hollywood superstardom. Charlie Chaplin really is the first one. Him and Mary Pickford and Keaton are the firsts. And you know, there's been so much said about them. There's been so much written about no them. Now, Just tell me. And yeah, it's it's been an interesting day. And this this documentary on Chaplin, I finally got to watch it. I study Chaplin in school and, I, and they were talking about Philosophy And it made me think of my late professor Dr. Stanislaw Parkner, Who when I took him for philosophy Had me do my not on, not on Susan Sontag Who I was going to do it on Or on Chekhov No, no, he wanted me to do it on Charlie Chaplin Because Chaplin was a philosopher of film And I saw that tonight And I immediately thought of him Here is the documentary piece created the trans option what was your first reaction i feel so freaky i can do any man crazy people like One not be insecure with a childhood like his i stopped new york he's here chaplain once said all the adulation is not for me it's for the little man thought anybody loved him He never believed it. He was always acting. He didn't want people to know the real Charlie. Most people are tremendously successful at a young age. It usually destroys them. You know, that already makes them. Mr. Chapman, are you a communist? You have no patriotic feelings about this country or any other country. I have patriotism and my patriotism dressed with the whole world. In the name of democracy, let us all unite! He accomplished his life's dream, but I don't think he ever really got over his doubts. He said to me, I used to be very famous. He needed an audience. Everyone who gets too close to him, he'll end up suffocating. Can I ask how old you were when you married him? He was inaccessible in so many ways. I had grown up with the icon. But I had no idea who the man was. So this documentary was released back in October. It is... It's fresh. Oh, it's fresh all right. Charlie Chaplin occupies a lot within the spectrum a lot he was a musician he won an Oscar for his score, he was the director he was a writer, he was a cameraman he's the actor, he's the the ballet dancer, hello yeah I mean it's often been said that W.C. Fields did not like Chaplin and he called him that fucking dancer he really did call him that but if you think of the legacy of the two and chaplin chaplin really chaplin was the be- it was the beginning it was the beginning of the of the triple threat or quadruple threat because he could do it all and like many he was flawed and i'm not going to talk about the wives and i'm not going to talk about the controversies because <laughs> the film the film really outweighs it all it was a different time It was a different it was a different world. You think about the era that he grew up in Victorian England, okay if you think of the upbringing that he had. Where you in vaudeville? Most of the people in vaudeville were poor. They lived off of what they made off the stage. He was first and foremost a vaudevillian. He did not want to be in movies. He he didn't think he thought movies were a passing fad. And look what happened. It totally changed his life. For better or for worse, but also in the beginning, nobody knew what he looked like out of the costume that he had created the tramp, this nobody this 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 but every man he wasn't just a nobody though he was an every man because he was he did it all he traveled, he danced he he cooked, he tamed lions in the circus. And the Gold Rush in 1925, the Gold Rush and the kid are probably Chaplin at his most iconic. And also the Great Dictator. You know, Chaplin for years resisted sound films for great reason. When you're an artist, you really can't make any concession. You, you, you cannot concede. You cannot for the sake of the art let it be warped and yeah sound was there Al Jolson the jazz singer and Charlie Chaplin was like I'm not going to make a sound film and what he did was he would make films where he still didn't speak but sounds would be incorporated here everyone is going sound and Chaplin makes City Lights And it's a silent film. And it still delights people. The story of the flower girl. The tramp. And then he. You know. uh, He was also interested in innovation. Modern times. Modern times was an example of that. I think the modern times. Was the last time we saw the tramp character. And then in 1940. Charlie Chaplin does something bold dangerous he does a talking film and he makes fun of Adolf Hitler now strangely both Chaplin and Hitler were born the same year 1889 weeks apart Chaplin had that mustache. So did Hitler, but Chaplin had it first. (sighs) And Chaplin was a Jew and he was like, you know, I want to, I want to basically turn Hitler into a clown. Because that's what he thought of him. He thought, you know, if we can only just rip this man to shreds comedically. And then people will see him for what he really is. Well, unfortunately, it didn't work that way. And then what happened was the backlash from the film. And Chaplin basically was chased out of Hollywood and retreated to, to Europe. And didn't come back until the 1970s. When he received an honorary Oscar From the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences And, and, and just to go back He was nominated for all the categories For the, the Great Dictator That was his first silent Or first sound film And there were others to follow And he had his period in Hollywood And it's still very lastful Iconic I love when people go back and they discover, like I did, the films. And then you discover, okay, everyone is basically borrowing and stealing from him. Everyone. But it's a testament to him as an artist. And, you know, we talk about the great painters of the centuries. And the 20th century was about films that's what the 20th century really was the dominant art form was film film and music and Chaplin was the renaissance man of it he was one of the forefathers where you directed yourself because he was a perfectionist he had Mary Pickford, you had Douglas Faribanks he had all of these united artists, hello even Buster Keaton Buster Keaton and Chaplin were pitted against each other but they, I think it was a friendly rivalry because in a in a world of film they can both exist they're both geniuses both of them both you know they've directed themselves that that takes a lot to direct yourself and I've heard actors say when they do that you are basically juggling all these different things in your head. You are juggling not only your performance, but the other actors' performance. You are juggling how the picture is looking, the how you're going to edit this, the fit the the feel of the film, and then your own performance. And it can't be secondary because if you're playing the lead and you're directing yourself it has to all flow together Streisand has talked about that Angelica Houston has talked about that she directed herself and Agnes Brown Streisand directed herself The Mirror Has Two Faces Prince of Tides Yentl And Chaplin directed himself in a whole multitude of films. Not many actors could get away with directing themselves. Chaplin could. Brando did it a couple of times. A lot of actors find it tricky. Unless, there's another one I just forgot. Who, like Chaplin, was a perfectionist, but was not a comedian. He played a comedian years later in The Entertainer, and that's Laurence Olivier. Sir Laurence Olivier. Sir Laurence Olivier was like Chaplin, where he did the directing, he did the writing, he did the acting, he did the producing. There is that commonality between Sir Laurence Olivier and Charlie Chaplin. Both major perfectionists. Major. Okay. But in that comedians, I've always said when a comedian dies, it's truly sad. When Norm Macdonald died, it was truly sad. And and when Charlie Chaplin died, the the na- the world basically mourned. And then his body was stolen. That's how famous. That, that that's pretty. That's pretty notorious. You're that famous. You die, and your body is stolen. And then it's recovered. And then uh, he's. I think he's in an unmarked grave somewhere. Just as so, you know. Um, but think about that. These icons. And it makes me think of... I watched a documentary once on the Beat Poets. And Allen Ginsberg and Bob Dylan, two icons, are standing looking down at Jack Kerouac's grave. And they're talking about the different graves that they've been to. And Bob Dylan's like, I've been to Victor Hugo's grave. And Allen Ginsberg looks around and he says... Is this what's going to happen to you? And Bob Dylan without missing a beat. No, I'm going to be in an unmarked grave. (laughs) Because Dylan knows he's an icon. He doesn't want to admit it, but Bob Dylan knows. People used to come to Bob Dylan's house when he retreated to upstate New York with his wife to talk to him. About philosophy. I I love how he would be like... People would come to me and talk about philosophies and macrame. And and the interviewer is like, what did you know about that? And he's like, not a thing. And so here's Charlie Chaplin. Even in his 80s when he dies. The most famous man in the world. Basically cultivated film and filmmaking. And his body is stolen. That's pretty crazy right there. And so I'm gonna finish the documentary. I, I love what I'm watching so far because this is a true, this is a true look at Chaplin. He was often accused of stealing from other vaudevillains in terms of the look, how the tramp look was originated. And we'll dive more into that next time. On Pleasant Dreams.